In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come in order to set us free from sin, death, and the power of the devil, so that we may follow Jesus Christ as His disciples. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the movie The Exorcist came out in 1974. And the, the movie was met with a lot of critical acclaim, but it was also met with a, a lot of people that were really freaked out by that movie in, in so many different ways. People were having seizures in the, in the movie theater. People were, were just going crazy about this movie because they were seeing some stuff. And if you've ever seen the movie, you kind of get this. They were seeing some stuff in that movie that was shocking, that was a little bit hard to take. And the interesting thing about that movie is that while that movie came out in 1974, it was based on some stuff that happened in 1945 in the city of St. Louis, in fact. (laughs) To not Linda Blair, but to a teenage boy who hailed from the state of Washington. This boy who had, this, who had a Lutheran background started exhibiting these weird signs, started doing a lot of really strange stuff, and his parents started to take note. And they, they started talking to doctors, and they tried, started talking to all sorts of different people, and they couldn't explain it. So finally, they, they called up the pastor, and they said, uh, we have no idea what's going on, but can you come, and can you visit, can you just pray with him, can you do some stuff? And between the pastor and the parents, and they started talking, they decided, and there was something creepy that happened in there, depending on the stories that you read. They decided, well, we need to take this boy who is always addressed by a pseudonym because if you're this boy, you don't want people to know who you are. But either Roland or Robbie, this boy gets transported from Washington State to St. Louis, Missouri. And because his parents have this Lutheran background, at least one of the stories goes that they brought him to Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, my alma mater. <laughs> no, for real. This is, this is a very real possibility. They bring him there, and there is, if you go to Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, one of the, the central focus points of the campus is this huge bell tower. And underneath that bell tower, there's a small chapel called the the Chapel of All Apostles. And it's said that they brought this boy with some of the seminary professors into that chapel of all apostles. And and they started praying for him. They they started looking and, and saying, hey, God, we want you to do something here. And it didn't happen just like automatically. And so they said, well, let's call the Roman Catholics. <laughs> they, they, they know a little bit more of what to do with this, I guess. And so they ended up taking him to a hospital in St. Louis. And over the course of three months, they had a three-month-long series of exorcisms. So that kind of tells you why it didn't happen automatically on the holy ground of Concordia Saint, uh, Seminary St. Louis. But it needed some time. 
that it wasn't like the power that Jesus exudes in the story, which shows you just exactly how amazing this story is and maybe shows you a little bit of how frightening this story is. Because on some level, I think with these stories, these stories about demonic possession, these stories about things that we're like, oh, that's just supernatural. I expect to see that on TV. We, we kind of domesticate them a little bit. We, we make them a little less scary. Like, oh yeah, of course, Jesus, you know, he cast a demon out of some guy. And yet we don't think about the visceral terror that we would experience in seeing that. The visceral terror that Robbie or Roland's parents must have had in seeing this. The visceral terror that everyone who dealt with this young man must have felt in dealing with whatever was going on with him. And there are all sorts of stories and legends and uh, a lot of it is uh, going to forever be sealed because of privacy and because of all sorts of other things. But there is that kind of sense of fear and terror that we have of the powers of evil somehow afflicting us in that kind of a way. And yet we recognize that there are things in our lives that are maybe just as domesticated and maybe should be just as frightening as what we see happening in this story. That the things that we confessed just a moment ago here in this worship service, that those things that we were literally bringing to God and asking Him to exorcise from our lives, those Moments when we have not loved God with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole soul, with our whole being. Those moments when we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Those moments when we have not even loved ourselves as we think that we should be loving. We have ended up harming ourselves. Those sins, those sins in many ways should be just as terrifying as what happened to Roland or Robbie, as what happened to this man who is by the lake in the garrisons. Because all of those things spell the same outcome. And they are the outcome that we are not able to follow God. All of those things show that there is something amiss in our lives. Something where we're not able to say, All right, Lord, I'm ready to follow you where you go. And every single one of us have those things that we need removed from ourselves in order to be disciples of Jesus. You know, it's interesting, the, the location of this happening it's happening in the, the area of the Gerasenes, which unless you're one of those people who really geeks out on the maps in the back of your Bible, you're like, yeah, that's a place. <laughs> just like Galilee's a place, just like Judea's a place, just like Babylon's a place. 
But, but this is a specific place. This is a place where Jesus seems to call people into discipleship. This is the place where Jesus calls Peter into discipleship and says, come and follow me. This is the place that after Jesus raises from the tomb, he goes and he meets Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And he does it three times so that Peter gets the idea, hey, you denied me three times, I'm reinstating you three times. But the very last thing that he says is he reinstates his discipleship and he says, follow me. And so here, this is a picture of the prerequisites of our discipleship. That what we need most in order to be disciples of Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins. That before we have the forgiveness of our sins, we're, well, we're not disciples. And we can volunteer all day. We can say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this good work. I'm going to go to this homeless shelter. I'm going to go and do that. But it don't make you a disciple. Because what a disciple is, first and foremost, is someone who has been freed from the power of sin by the Son of God entering into the world. So we're starting off this new sermon series today. And it's going to be a little bit disjointed because there's going to be some travel here, but it's called Valued. And the reason that it's called Valued is that it's going to be based on the biblical text, but it's also going to be encountering this work by this, uh, the- this theologian and pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he wrote this book named The Cost of Discipleship. And it's a great book, but I, I don't think Bonhoeffer would make it as a Lutheran pastor today. <laughs> At least he wouldn't be a popular one. I don't think he was a popular one in his day. Because he calls people to discipleship, and well, we're maybe okay with not doing that. We're okay with the first part of it. This part that we're talking about today. We're okay with the, the okay, yeah, exercise the sins out of my life. But the call to follow him, well, that's just meddling. But to Dietrich, to Bonhoeffer, he felt that that was a, a greater evil than even the Nazi regime that he was encountering during his life. He, he thought that this issue of what he called cheap grace was a terrible demon that was attacking the church. In the same way that the demon legion was attacking this man. In the same way that you were attacked by your sins and the sins of other people. That this whole sense of, hey, I'm going to get the forgiveness of my sins, but I'm not going to actually follow Jesus. And Dietrich would say that's a misunderstanding of who Jesus is. That's a misunderstanding of who Christ is. And if you take that far enough, that that's actually an antichrist and not Christ. And those are difficult words for us to hear. 
And they're difficult words for us to hear because we still have those sins. We are still beset by all of those sins that afflict us and we need to be forgiven of. But here's the beautiful thing in the midst of all of that. Is that it's not about you volunteering for this. Because if you were volunteering, well, your discipleship would be just as much about you as it was about God, if not more. And you would actually end up sort of just being a disciple of yourself. And being a disciple of yourself, well, you can do that fine without doing good works. But so Jesus calls you to a discipleship that is not your own, to a discipleship that you don't volunteer for. So it makes sense that you're apprehensive. It makes sense that you're like, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know about all that reading the Bible stuff. I don't know about all that praying stuff. I don't know about all of those good works. I don't know about whatever it is that you deal with. I don't know about shunning those sins. I don't know about chasing after that virtue. We're all there. Because our cross to bear is a cross of discipleship that we don't necessarily choose for ourselves. And so it makes sense that you're apprehensive. It makes sense that you're afraid of failing in the midst of it. It makes sense that you are afraid that you have already failed and that you're just not worthy of that. And to all of that, Jesus says to you once again, be forgiven of your sins and follow me. So this guy at the end of this reading, well, he's got this idea of what he wants to do. He's got this sort of volunteer thing. He's like, Lord, let me follow you. And Jesus has other plans. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You just go home. You go home and you tell them what God has done for you. Maybe that's where we can start. Maybe you're super spiritual and you're way beyond that. And I'm sorry if I'm, you know, talking down to you then. You super spiritual, pious person, you. But maybe where it starts for the rest of us is to go home. To go to our job. To go to the people who love us. To go to the people whom we have built rapport and trust. To go to the people that we play with on a regular basis and the people that we work with on a regular basis. And maybe it's just about us following what Jesus told to this man. Go and tell them about what Jesus has done for you. Not what you think they should be doing Not what you think Jesus could do for them. Not for most of the stuff that you would probably come up with by yourself. But follow our Lord's instruction and just say, Man, I got 
forgiven last Sunday. That's awesome. This is how that's changed my week. I actually believe that I got to experience Jesus' body and blood. That's great. I got to learn something about the exorcist that I didn't know before in the sermon. Let me tell you about that. Because our first step in discipleship is to recognize that we need a clean slate and that God has given us that in Jesus Christ. So now may you go into this week knowing that you have been exorcised. Knowing that you have received the forgiveness of your sins. That those things are as far from you as those demons are from that man. Jesus has taken your sins and put them in some pigs someplace. Some suicidal pigs. And may you know that those sins are as gone as his demons were. And may that cleansed feeling inside of you encourage you to follow your Lord's word as a first step into discipleship that you will go home and you will tell someone the great things that God has done for you. May that be the case for all of us. Amen.